This is a podcast by The Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money managing and wealth growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim. Cryptocurrency, DAO, DeFi, NFT, blockchain, metaverse. These terms have been banded about for some time, but I have to admit, I still scratch my head. Do they all fit under the Web3 umbrella? Let's get some help demystifying all of that so we don't have to answer, say what, when these terms come up in conversation again. And more importantly, what are these strange new investment opportunities? And should we maybe get some? Do you want to wait and see or be an early adopter? And since Web 2 was about control, while Web 3 is about giving up control in a good way, in a sense that decentralization and distributed ledgers are a good thing, shouldn't we be all over that? For more insights, we're speaking to Ryan McNamara, Web3 and crypto editor of Benzinga. Thanks for your time, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So as Web3 editor, obviously, what's your take on Web3, first of all? I mean, sounds good. Essentially, instead of giving companies control of your data for service, as you do say in Web2, a person's now in control of their own data, or is that an oversimplification? No, I don't think that's an oversimplification, but I think there's probably a a little more to it than just owning your own data. That's one of the really big parts. And we see right now you can sign in with Facebook or sign in with Google and they control your data and they control the vast majority of data on the Internet. But with Ethereum wallets like MetaMask, you can sign in and it's basically a universal sign on for an account. And with decentralized applications, they store your data very safely. But it's more than just data ownership in Web3. There's digital ownership with NFTs, which become your digital identity. There's also protocol ownership. So you can own the protocols that you actually use on Web3. Data ownership is a very important aspect, but I don't think it's the only part of Web3. Web3 is almost like a buzzword, but I think we need it now because, you know, we saw three, four years ago, crypto was really just ICOs. There was a little bit going on in Ethereum, but not much. It was mostly just Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now with Web3, there's a lot more to it. So we need kind of an overarching term that covers both cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology, applications and NFTs, also the metaverse now too. So we see these subsectors of blockchain technology and, and cryptocurrencies come up and we needed a term to describe all of it in one place. Mm, let's take a step back then for the uninitiated. What exactly is Web3? For sure. So I think one of the biggest differences between Web2 and Web3 is the permissionless access of Web3. So anybody can access Web3 protocols because they're applications on blockchains. Whereas with Web2, you have to go to an application on the web. You usually have to sign in. You have to give your email, show your identity, and you have to get approved. Whereas Web3 is not only permissionless, but censorship resistant. So anyone can go on and nobody can block you or censor you. So I think that's a really powerful part of Web3 that anybody can go into these applications, use them. And not only are they like social media applications, but I'd argue even more important applications that have to do with finance. We see with DeFi, banking the unbanked is really important. And now with applications on Ethereum like Aave and Uniswap, you can go in, you can trade cryptocurrencies. And not only cryptocurrencies now, there's stable coins, which are equal to $1. So people can have their own bank accounts with cryptocurrency wallets. Then they can use these applications to earn interest on their funds, whether that's in USD or crypto. And now we're seeing even tokenized gold, tokenized stocks come up on the market. So you don't really need an account like you would with Web2. And you don't have to be approved. And it's censorship resistant, which I think is one of the most important parts of Web3. 
Okay, Ryan, I'm going to get old Jerry Maguire on you. I'm not sure if you're old enough to know Jerry Maguire and showing me <laughs> the money. Should we go into it now or wait till it's all mainstream? Because some have the idea, okay, you go first. It could be dangerous. And then some want to be all experimental and dive in head first. Yeah, that's a great question. I think everybody can get into Web3 right now, but you do have to assess your risk tolerance. There are stable coins, so you can get into Web3 and not be exposed to the volatility of the cryptocurrency market. So I think it's super valuable for people to experiment with the technology, get used to it, because I think it is inevitable that we will be using this in our everyday life, say three, five years down the road. So I think it is good to be early. That being said, there that soon that that soon, yeah, I think that we will interact with it more and more every day, and we see that even like on Twitter, there's NFT verification now. Uh, we see blockchains coming up more and more in our everyday life. I think it's only going to get faster and faster from here. There are a lot more risks joining the Web three industry right now. Hacks are super common. We see phishing scams all over the place. People are getting robbed of their cryptocurrency funds. And it's interesting because blockchains can't be hacked for the most part. We see Bitcoin, Ethereum have never been hacked. Some smaller blockchains have. But the ones people are using, it's not the blockchain being hacked. It's user error. So when you start a cryptocurrency wallet, they give you a seed phrase and that gives you access to your funds. And some people just don't keep that safe and people are able to scam them out of their money. If you get the seed phrase from a wallet, then you're able to drain your funds out of the wallet. So it's extremely unsafe right now in that regard, especially because transactions on the blockchain can't be reverted. So if you get scammed out of your funds, there's really nothing you can do. And there's no company you can go to either. With a cryptocurrency wallet, they're decentralized. So it's not like you can just call somebody up. There's also risk with regulations right now. So a lot of tokens may be securities in the future that aren't securities right now, and that could have some tax burdens on investors. Just not much regulatory clarity right now, which I think adds another layer of risk on top of the already volatile markets. I would say one other risk of getting into Web3 right now is just not all smart contracts are safe. People don't know how to code correctly on Ethereum in some cases, especially for more advanced applications. And uh, there was a $625 million hack on the Ronin network, which is a, a bridge that bridges funds from Ethereum to another network. Essentially, the more advanced the technology gets, the higher risk you have of being hacked because there, there are more exploits, there are more bugs to be found in the code. So people that transferred their funds from Ethereum to Ronin, they got them wiped because somebody was able to find a hole in the code. So there's certainly more risks now, but there are a lot of applications you can use that are relatively unrisky. Uh, and you don't even have to be exposed to the volatility of the crypto markets. You can use stable coins. So I think it's a great idea for everybody to get exposed to Web3, at least to a degree. That doesn't mean that you need to put in your life savings. It doesn't mean you even have have to gamble your money. There's a bunch of different things you can do within the industry that aren't as risky as others. I felt like you just said that because you could sense my anxiety rising on this end, because all I heard in the last three, five minutes was risk, 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 risk. And also, I, right. I couldn't, though, roll up to a banker and say, help me put some of my money in Web3. Could I? Do I have to be specific? How much do I have to know about Web3 then in order to be safe, so to speak? Yeah, so you could try and go to a bank and maybe invest in some Web3 related stocks. I don't think a, a bank would invest directly for you into Web3. 
But I think that's kind of getting around the point. The point of Web3 is digital ownership, and you want to own those digital assets yourself. So I would say the easiest way to go about it is to make your own crypto wallet, get a brokerage account with like Coinbase, Crypto.com, Voyager, and onboard cash to crypto that way, and then send it off to your Ethereum wallet. And then from there, you truly own your assets, right? So with a bank or with an exchange, you can buy crypto on there. You don't truly own it because you don't have the keys to the wallet, but you can send it off and you can you can put it in a crypto wallet and then it's yours to use however you see fit, which I think is very powerful. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's talk about what investing in Web3 really even means, though, especially for the traditional average investor. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest benefit to Web3 is opportunity right now. It's never before seen that you can invest in startups and get in so early. Usually you have to be an accredited investor or you have to know people to get into these early projects. Not only that, but a lot of these projects are really high growth. They have super lofty goals, and we've seen people make 10x, 100x gains you know, relatively easily in this industry because it's growing so quickly. So I think that's one of the biggest advantages of getting into Web3 now. Are some aspects of Web3, though, just hype that maybe we should just stay away from? They are, for sure. A hundred percent. I think a lot of things are hyped for good reason. But that being said, you should definitely be wary when you're getting into Web3. There are, like I said, a lot of scams and there's some scams that aren't like super clear rug pulls that they're just going to take your money. It's more that they're trying to get you to invest in something that might not be so real or, you know, it, it might not be feasible in the future, but they make it seem that way uh, to some degree. So we see this a lot with different tokens. So it's important to remember with tokens, anybody can create one. That doesn't mean that there's any value. And that's the same with NFTs, right? Anybody can take a picture and turn it into an NFT. It's super easy to do, and people think that they can just get rich by making NFTs and selling them. But who's really going to buy them? It's kind of the same with tokens. Who's going? Said the man who has a board ape behind him. <laughs> yeah, well, people want to buy the board apes, right? I mean, there's there's so much to it. <laughs> and I think there are hype with the blue chip NFTs. I think there's hype with all NFTs right now. But when you're looking at these new mints and they're promising like Metaverse Land or a play-to-earn game, can they actually deliver on these things? Most teams, I would say probably not. So you have to look for you know, the teams with the most funding and the most promising people that are working for them. So there's a lot that goes into it. And with tokens too, like I was saying, anybody can create a token. And a lot of these tokens have different nuances to them, which may sound good on paper, but really they're just benefiting their creator. So one of these trends we saw last year were reflection fees. And we see this all the time on Binance Smart Chain and, and less so on Ethereum. But these reflection fees, essentially every time you buy or sell a cryptocurrency, they tax you. And the way this works is usually around 5% will go to either a marketing fund or a team wallet. And then maybe 2 to 3% will go to charity and another 2% will be reflected among the rest of the users. And this is to incentivize you to hold cryptocurrency longer than you may want to. You might see the price going down and you say, well, I'm earning these reflection fees, so I might as well hold it. But as the token goes down, these, these reflection fees you're earning get less and less. And the, the vast majority of these fees actually go to the marketing team. So we see these cryptocurrency creators with this token that keeps going down. There's no real utility. But yet, every time anyone buys or sells the cryptocurrency, they're getting paid 5% of the transaction, which is absolutely huge. Then they end up with millions of dollars in, in their own wallet to do whatever they want with. 
So reflection fees, I would look out for it. It's one of those scams that isn't super clear to the public, but it does usually hurt the token price, makes it go down. I haven't seen a sustainable token that has reflection fees yet. No fine print one can go to, you know, due diligence one can do because it's just what, the Wild West out there when it comes to Web3? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. It's the Wild West and there's really no regulation. And the sad part is, I mean, most people get away with it. Unless you're doing a huge multi-million dollar scam, there's a good chance that you're just completely out of luck and you're not getting your money back. Oy. How competitive, though, is the Web3 investment market today, Ryan? I mean, can we get a foot in? Should we get a foot in? I would say that it is pretty competitive at this point, but you also have to remember that most people buying cryptocurrencies are buying them on exchanges, so their use is very limited. Where it becomes less competitive and where I see more opportunity is actually owning your own cryptocurrency in a wallet, because then you can interact with all these different applications on Ethereum or on Solana or on Polygon. And although you do have to pay transaction fees when you're using these blockchains, it's very much worth it. For a few reasons. One, you can go on and earn interest on your digital assets. So if you plan on holding your cryptocurrency over the long term, it just makes sense to go ahead and stake it, earn some interest anywhere usually between like 5 to 15%. If everybody knew how to do it right now, these interest rates would be a lot lower. So that's something to take advantage of. Well, not that many people are actually using DeFi. We see about 10% of the US right now owns crypto, but it's less than 1% that actually owns an Ethereum wallet that they use actively. And within NFTs, I'd say it's pretty oversaturated. It's really hard to get into NFTs right now. We saw last year the demand for NFTs was so huge that basically any project that came out like before the spring did really well because everybody was looking to get into NFTs. But now I think people have realized that you can make an NFT really easily, pretty easy to do, but it's pretty hard to sell. I'm not sure a selfie of your unwashed face is an NFT. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say then is your top concern when it comes to investing in Web3? Just don't be ignorant about it, right? Buyer beware. Right. And not only in your investments, but how you handle your money. So like I was saying, scams are super, super common. One piece of advice I can give is never click a link. So knock on wood, but I've been really lucky with my Ethereum wallets. I haven't been hacked. People will send you links on Discord or on Twitter say, hey, this is the next Board Ape Yacht Club, mint it right now. Or they'll even say, I have like a Board Ape that I'm trying to sell way under the floor price. And as soon as you click these links, your MetaMask will connect to the website. And if you approve your MetaMask to be connected to whatever application they send you, they can drain your wallet. They can do whatever they want once your wallet is connected to the site. So one, I make sure it's audited. A lot of third-party audits take place now so people can feel safe using these applications. Um, But not only that, but you can check how much value is locked inside of these applications. So all of these apps are run by smart contracts, which hold cryptocurrency in them. And that cryptocurrency that's held inside of the smart contracts can be seen as a bounty for hackers. Because if a hacker were able to get in and drain the, the application, they would be able to take all of the money inside of a smart contract. So if I see an application that might only have $50,000 in it or even $200,000, $500,000, I'd say that's relatively small and maybe a hacker will find that and find a way to exploit it. But when I see an application that has $10 million locked into it or $100 million locked, I would view that as relatively safe because that's essentially the bounty on the smart contract to hack it. So if nobody's able to to hack a contract with $50 million in it, then it's pretty likely that, that it's bug proof and it can't be exploited. 
You're not really selling this to me, are you, Ryan? I'm, I'm trying to make you aware of uh, all of the different risks because there's so many nuanced risks within crypto. But if you mm. go about it the right way, it's a good opportunity. Elevator pitch then for the skeptical. So there's never been another time in history where you can actually own the apps you use and keep your data safe. Essentially, all the value is going back to the user. Imagine using Facebook back in 2008 and for using it, they gave you some tokens, they gave you some ownership in Facebook. And we see this all the time with cryptocurrency airdrops nowadays. You can go in, use applications, and they'll gift you governance tokens in their protocol. They'll essentially just give you free money for using their, their application. And not only that, but then your data is safe and you have all these other benefits of decentralization, of it being permissionless and anybody can use it and being censorship resistant. Now's the time to specialize. So there's so many different subsectors of blockchain technology now that you can't just be a blockchain expert. So I'd say look out for something, but look out for something that interests you. So maybe look into NFTs and then a subsector of NFTs, whether that's ticketing software for NFTs or club access for NFTs or digital art as NFTs. There are a lot of different applications for NFTs that people aren't really looking into right now because I think we're frankly just too early and digital art is one of the easiest ways to get into NFTs. But we see other people using NFTs for credit or for digital identity, tokenizing homes as mortgages on the blockchain and those liens coming out as NFTs. There's even financial positions you can take now as NFTs, which is really interesting. Also, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, I don't think they've gotten the mainstream hype that NFTs and cryptocurrencies have gotten just yet, but that will come with time. Ethereum needs to scale first, and not only does Ethereum need to scale, but more apps and more tools need to come out to making DAOs you know, easier to use and easier to join. But I think there's huge potential there, whether it's to own sports teams in the future or just crowdfund fund money. Uh, we saw like the Constitution DAO a few months ago. They raised like $40 million in the span of about a week to try and buy the Constitution. So I thought that was really cool. But DAOs can certainly do much more than just crowdsource money and, and buy things. So that's something else to look into. But at the end of the day, I think specialization is key. Find a niche within blockchain and really research, study that and see how you can innovate on you know, these centralized Web2 counterparts that exist today. Thanks so much for spending time with us, Ryan, and for your insights. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. Great time. Ryan McNamara, Web3 and crypto editor of Benzinga. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.